Alright, welcome back to the Blaze Experience, everyone. So glad to be back here with you today. As you know, it's Saturday, so of course we have a new State of Decay 2 episode to talk about today. And this episode, once again, we had a lot of news for State of Decay, so this time we're you know talking all news, basically. We are going to talk about Patch Notes 4.0, because that just released, I believe, yesterday when I'm recording this. When you're listening to this, it would have been a couple days ago. And then on top of that, on Wednesday's live stream with Undead Labs, they talked about all the Daybreak rewards. And now, even more so than my last podcast on Daybreak, we have a lot more news about Daybreak rewards. On episode 28, where I talked about Daybreak, that had the most extensive news you could find at that point about Daybreak. Now we have even more news about it because Daybreak is less than a week away. I'm very excited for it. And the more I hear about Daybreak, the more I look into it, the more I just see the stuff that's coming to the game with this, I'm very excited for it. And I think like the new rewards that are coming that you can use in the base game, it's going to make the base game so much more fun as well. So I'm really excited for all this, and I hope you all are too. But... As you know from the last couple of podcasts I've had, we do have a community event coming up as well. So that's right. Starting on Sunday, which when you're hearing this, this will be tomorrow. So starting tomorrow from when you hear this, Decay Fest is coming. And Decay Fest is the community event that myself and P1 Gamer created. And we organized this whole event. And basically we designed this event to get streamers, YouTubers, and podcasters, which right now is just myself for State of Decay. We designed this to get all of us together and have us work together to create a really awesome event for the entire week of next week. Well, and we have an entire week of content and over that entire week. So from Sunday the 9th to Saturday the 15th, those are the dates for Decay Fest. And over that entire week, I did the math, and it's like 15 or 16 hours is the only time somebody's not streaming. So out of that entire span of week, we have someone streaming every hour of the day except for 15 hours. And those 15 hours are all hours that are like, you know, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. or 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. It's all times like that when not many people might be on anyways. So it's all overnight times that, you know, just a couple hours here, a couple hours there each day. But all like the main times that, you know, most people will be on, we do have coverage for those times. And our final count, we have one podcaster, which is myself. We have three YouTubers. We have six Twitch streamers. And then we have four Mixer streamers. And I'll be streaming on Mixer as well myself. I'll actually be doing four different streams of the week. We did have one other Mixer streamer and one other Twitch streamer that were involved. But due to some scheduling conflicts, they had to actually drop out. But they will be involved in future events. And honestly, the turnout was pretty good overall. We had only three people out of the entire um, process that declined. So... Out of the entire process, only three content creators declined coming into this. And, you know, they were all for various reasons. And that's neither here nor there. But 
I'm very excited about, you know, what we have in store for you. And I don't think I've ever announced the full list of people involved. So real quick, I will announce the full list that we have involved. For Mixer streamers, we have the Joker Baz. We have Ethereal Jade. We have Beto Vapes. We have Irome underscore NZ. For YouTubers, we have Han Solo Dillo. We have Mr. Stainless 001. We have Mara Sleepa. And then for Twitch streamers, we have Mr. Darts Broadcast. We have K Sizzle 3G. We have Xbox One PJ Play. We have Surreal Scotsman. We have Rabbit. And then, of course, our final two are P1 Gamer and myself, the Blaze Experience, who we organized the entire event. So that's everyone that we have in store for you. And how it's going to work is each day. We have content scheduled for every day. So, for example, on Sunday, you should be hearing a kickoff podcast between P1 Gamer and myself. Hopefully, P1 will be on that. If we can't make it work out, then it might just be myself kicking it off. But I'm hoping to kick it off with him as well. And that will be like a short little half-hour podcast or something like that. Just explaining the entire event, explaining the entire schedule, you know talking a little bit more about these streamers that you get a little bit more of a sense of what kind of content they provide. So that should drop first thing Sunday. And then we're going to go right into it. And I believe 5am is the first streamer we have on Sunday. So we'll start it off there. And then we go into the next streamer, we go into the next streamer. And basically, it just keeps feeding into each other. So there's, you know, one streamer into the next streamer. And we keep going like that. And then on some of the days, on Monday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, those four days, we have YouTube videos coming out. And then, of course, on Saturday, you know, the last day of the week to kind of close the event off, we will have the next Blaze Experience podcast. And it's probably going to be all about how Decay Fest went and also about Daybreak. And... We're pro- I'm probably going to talk about Daybreak in extensive detail, and I'm pleased to announce that that podcast I do next Saturday, that will also be with Morris Lipa again. So Morris was a guest on episode 26 of the podcast. He will be coming back next Saturday, and you'll hear him on that episode as well. And Morris and I are going to give our impressions on Daybreak and kind of break it down for you and tell you, okay, you know, we, we've got to play Daybreak for three days now. This is how we think it is. This is how, you know, our impressions of it are. And, you know, here's what we have to say about it. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm really excited for all of this. I won't go over the entire schedule or anything on this podcast, but I just wanted to give everyone, you know, kind of a little bit more details now because it is getting very, very close. You know, it's one day away when you're hearing this. So tomorrow, after you hear this episode, you will hear a smaller episode that just details everything about it and why we're doing this. But I'm really excited for this. And I just want to say up front, thank you, Undead Labs. It really means a lot that you guys made this game and that you continue to support it. I mean, all the work you put in, it's not unnoticed. You know, there's a lot of great content creators that all notice the work you're putting in, and we really all appreciate it. So thank you so much to everyone at Undead Labs. But I also do want to say as a quick disclaimer, there will be no podcast next Wednesday due to K-Fest. 
Usually, as everyone knows, I release an episode on Wednesday and an episode on Saturday. My Wednesday episode is usually on a different game, but next week is going to be all State of Decay all the time, so there's going to be no podcast next Wednesday, and the Wednesday after that, we'll resume our coverage. So the Wednesday after that, I'm actually talking about Vigor again, so that will be... So that will be Wednesday the 19th. We'll have a Wednesday podcast again. That'll be about bigger. And then I do want to announce our next stream. Either going to be tonight when you're hearing this. So Saturday night because I might have some free time to stream at night. But I'm not quite sure if I will yet. So you could either look for me on stream Saturday night before the event starts. Or if I'm not on Saturday night, the next time I'll be officially streaming will be 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern time on Monday. And that is one of the scheduled team streams as part of Decay Fest. So that is my first scheduled stream for Decay Fest is on Monday. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And I'm really looking forward to this whole event. So I hope you all are too. And, you know, this event took a lot of planning, a lot of coordination it really took a lot of effort on the part of everyone and, you know, just organizing everything all together. So I really hope everyone enjoys this and I really hope it creates a lot of hype in the community and, you know, pushes the game forward because everyone involved in this event, we all love this game and we all want to see this game move forward and, you know, keep progressing in a positive light. And that's kind of what this is for. I mean, you know, we want to thank Undead Labs and, we really just want to boost the community up. So hopefully this event will, you know, do just that. But that being said, we have a lot of patch notes to get into. So let's just jump right into it. So patch 4.0, this is actually a smaller patch. And I believe Wednesday when Daybreak drops, I think there's going to be another patch that same day that will be a little bit more extensive, but... I don't want to say that for sure because I'm not sure if this is the patch that they were talking about or if there's a second patch on Wednesday as well. I'm pretty sure there's going to be another patch on Wednesday that will have more fixes and more, you know, improvements, but I'm not quite sure. So this is a little bit smaller of a patch, but it has some very important fixes in here as well. So as we always do here on the Blaze Experience, when we read through our patch notes, we're going to go right through all of them. We're going to talk about what's important and, you know, what might be a nice addition, but a little bit less important overall. But first, we're going to start with some general issues. This first one on the list is actually a really important one. They fixed an exploit involving buying and selling stackable items with traders to earn massive amounts of influence. And... When they released the last patch, patch 3.0, literally within a day, someone in my community was telling me, hey, there's a huge issue with uh, exploiting traders. And basically, you can exploit traders and get a ton of influence kind of illegally. So now they have fixed that, and now you can't exploit that anymore. So I'm very happy that they fixed this because this is a bug that was actually known pretty much right after patch 3.0 dropped. They have also removed an apparent soft lock caused by the death of a leader. So I'm not sure exactly what that one does, but I think it might have to do with when your leader dies, maybe there was a lock preventing you from choosing a new one or something, but I'm not sure what the terminology that means 
exactly, but that's what my guess is. Remove some locks and crashes associated with pop-up boxes. So, I mean, it sounds like that's good that they have that, but, you know, not really a whole lot to comment on it because it just sounds like there's crashes happening when things popped up. They have fixed a handful of buildings that were inaccessible due to collision. That is really nice. I, I don't think I officially experienced with the building because I think most buildings I can go into, but if anyone had any experiences where they couldn't go into a building, then that's great that they fixed that because that would be frustrating. And they also fixed a number of localization issues. And I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but earlier this week when I was playing, there was actually some syncing issues, but I think that had to do with Microsoft. So I don't think that had anything to do with Unlead Labs. I don't think that was anything to do with State of Decay. I think that was completely a Microsoft issue. So this fix with the localization issues, that's probably not even related at all. But, you know, maybe in some sense it had something to do with that. But this next one, this is very cool. And this next one is probably the biggest highlight of the patch, I would say, especially for me personally. But random resource loss events are now dependent on morale and traits. If you recruit carefully and keep everyone happy, then random resource losses should be a thing of the past. So basically what this is saying is when you get the message on your screen that says, oh, Jim knocked over a fuel can, you know, minus two fuel. Oh, um, sorry, I got really hungry and somebody ate three food. Like those random resource events that just kept taking your stuff away, that would keep happening no matter how good you were doing at the game. Now what they have done is they have put it in place where if you're really good on morale, you have people that are really happy and you're doing the right things to keep your community happy, then you shouldn't see these resource losses anymore. And that is huge, honestly, because I take pride in making my communities happy and keeping their morale high. And I know a lot of other people do as well. So now you're actually going to be rewarded for that by not losing the stuff you put into your base. Because I know, for example, on episode 26, when I talked to Maris, he didn't like putting as many things into his storage because these random resource events would happen and take away his stuff. So he would rather keep it in you know, car trunks and stuff like that. That way he wouldn't lose it. And now he doesn't really have to do that anymore if he doesn't want to, because now he can put it in his base and feel more, more secure that it's going to be safe. So that is really nice to have that. Another related one, characters who incur resource loss events because of low morale will now receive a temporary morale benefit for doing so, i.e. they binged a bunch of food, but at least made them feel better. So basically what this is saying, and I actually did see this in action today. I tried it out and made sure. When someone has low morale, they have one of these resource loss events and they take away some of your goods, whether it's meds, whether it's food, whether it's fuel, they take away some of your stockpile of things. And basically what happens now is that person that was unhappy, when they take away some of that stuff, it makes them happier. So say they were hungry, they ate some food, so now they're happy for a little while. So for a little while... They're actually going to be happy. And I did check this out just to make sure. I purposely made sure that, you know, a situation happened where I would be losing it because I made somebody unhappy. And this person that was unhappy, they actually went to plus 10 morale afterwards because they gained a morale boost since they already used some of my resources. 
So that is very nice because in the past, if somebody was unhappy, they'd had the resource loss event and you lose the resources. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, they could lose it again. So you're basically getting penalized twice for somebody being unhappy. Now, at least you're only getting penalized once because it's more accurate for how humans would actually act. You know, if somebody did something and they went like on a binge, they might be happy for a short amount of time and then they go back to their, you know, state of unhappiness. So I think it's very effective that way. I mean, and it's not just food related. It could, you know, work with, say, meds, for example. Say somebody's injured and they were really unhappy about the med situation because they couldn't, you know, clean their wounds or they couldn't, if they were sick and they couldn't get better and they're really unhappy about that, they might take away some of your meds to get better. And now that they feel a little better, you know, they're really happy. But then once they calm down from that high of being happy, then they go back to being miserable then because your meds are up to snuff. So essentially, it just gives you a little bit more time to get the original situation, the original root of the cause back to something that is more viable. Because if the root of the cause was, I have no meds, and that is why this person is unhappy, then it gives you more time to fix that root problem. So that is really the big key here is that it gives players more time to fix root problems than it did in the game before. Next, skilled characters will now sometimes survive the community with new free items in place of resource loss events. So basically your characters are skilled, you know, they're leveled up, they're pretty decked out characters. Then what happens now is instead of resource loss events, you're supposed to get some free items instead. So this one I actually didn't see in action yet because I don't think I've maybe played long enough for it to happen. I'm not sure, but which I also had a beds issue at the time. I had less beds than I needed because I had to destroy one of my outposts in a mission earlier. So at the time I had less beds than I needed. So maybe that was part of why I couldn't have this happen. But I think the gist is if you have, you know, a really great setup, you know, with some skilled characters, then these skilled characters are supposed to have it where you get free items instead of a resource loss event. And I would assume these free items, it, it's not stated what they are, but I would assume it's something like the Sheriff Legacy Boon. So I would assume it's like, you know, a couple of random items like, oh, here's three bandages. Oh, here's, you know, 20 bullets. Here's uh, a free gun. You know, I think I would assume it's like little items like that. I don't think it's like going to be anything huge, but I mean, it's still great that you're getting something. So, you know, definitely a plus. But another fix for the characters and community section is exile should now always count towards exile related achievements. And I can't remember what achievement has to do with exiles, but. I mean, it's great that they count towards that now. I think maybe this would be like, I think if there's an achievement for a character dying. Maybe that means for that character dying achievement, the exile now counts for that. I'm not quite sure, but that's the only achievement I can think of where exiling someone would count towards an achievement. But perhaps I'm missing achievement. You know, perhaps I'm not thinking back to all the achievements that I had and Perhaps there's an achievement in there that, you know, is pretty obvious that it counts towards exiles, but I'm just not thinking of it right now. Characters from other enclaves will no longer receive the large scale death banner treatment when they die. 
So that's something really good because if it's not a character in your enclave, you don't want to have a big, you know, ticker tape parade for, oh, oh, wow, Jim died. And, you know, Jim was part of the Rusty Handles or whatever the name of the enclave was. And you don't really want a big ticker tape parade for that. Not that, you know, someone dying is a parade anyways, but you get what I mean. Like, you don't want to make a big thing of it if it's not really someone in your community because, you know, your community didn't really know them as well. They're more of an acquaintance, probably. So that is a nice change. Some bases and facilities fixes. They fixed an issue where facilities would sometimes stop building when the main menu was open. So that is really nice because you wouldn't want to have the main menu open. Then you go back into your game and your facility has stopped building. So, you know, that's nice that they did this. So you didn't actually end up losing resources or you didn't end up losing the time that you already put into that build, especially if it's like a leader project. Those leader projects usually take like 20 minutes. So if you already had like 15 minutes into that build, you don't want to go back into your game and then have to reset the 20 minutes again. They also fixed an issue where weapons would be repaired for free. That is definitely good because you really don't want to have any exploits in the game. And that is a huge exploit that takes away, you know, a huge aspect of the game is repairing your weapons. So that is great that they put that in there. They have fixed collision on the sniper tower to allow it to be scaled. So that is really good because if you couldn't scale your sniper tower before, then it's great that you can now. I mean... I don't really use sniper towers a lot, so I can't say I've experienced this issue, but you know, for anyone that was using them a lot, then I'm sure they're going to be happy with this. Fix a case where the old rally point bases could still be claimed. And this is actually interesting because the rally point bases they're speaking of, those are the bases that, like when you switch maps, that is where you used to be when you switch maps. So when you switch maps, you, usually, you used to be on the side of the road and just have like a little supply locker on the side of the road. Now, when you switch maps, you go right into the starting base. But I did notice this where a friendly enclave, they actually took root in a rally point. So I went to find an enclave and they were actually based up at a rally point. So that was really weird for me. I'm like, why are they just living here on the side of the road? But that's where they were based. And that's where I had to go to you know, talk to that enclave. So it's nice that they fixed this now. So, you know, situations like that don't happen. They have also extended the resource counting prompt for depositing rucksacks into the generic storage facility to apply to specialized storage facilities as well. So honestly, I can't comment on this one too much. I'm not exactly sure what this does for us, but I mean, I'm sure if they have it in here, then it's something that is going to make quality of life better for the players. But I didn't have any issues depositing rucksacks before and no one in my games did. So I don't know if it was like some kind of issue where it wasn't counting the resources you had properly. But it also says specialized storage facilities. So, oh, uh, in that case, I think it means like fire safe storage or refrigerated storage or the, you know, higher level storage facilities that are specialized in one area. I think that's what it's meaning. So as opposed to the generic, you know, level two or level one storage, when you have the level three storages, I guess there was a issue counting the resources for the level three, you know, specialized versions of the storages. So that's probably what they're talking about here. All right. Next, we have some fixes to missions. 
They fixed an issue where some missions would provide deceptively large piles of resources. I didn't experience this, but I mean, that's great, you know, because you don't want to be deceived by how much you're actually getting from a mission. So that's nice that you'll have the proper perception now. They fixed many cases where critical NPCs would not show up for missions or in one case would attack you for no reason. And this is actually a, one of the bigger changes to this patch too, because I experienced this one a lot where I go on a mission to find an NPC and some other people were in my stream and can attest to this. I would go to look for the NPC and the NPC wouldn't be there. I'd be right at the house I was supposed to be, you know, I'd even try to go away from the house, then come back to it. And sometimes they didn't even fix it. So I think that the NPCs were probably spawning underneath the house or something, something weird like that, because they had mentioned before that cars used to spawn underneath the map. So it's great that they fixed this because it does kind of frustrate, you know, the player when you're playing and you can't find the NPC. So it's nice that they fixed this and that you can actually, you know, go about your missions the way you're supposed to now. They fixed an issue with a couple of Pacific missions, too. They fixed an issue with Warlord the Informant mission, which was not counting vehicle kills. So that's good that it counts those now. And they also fixed an issue with Builder the Call mission. And in this, some enclaves would flee the player's home site. So that is nice that those enclaves won't flee now, because I think they're supposed to help you defend your base. I believe that's what that mission is, if I remember right. So that's great that they don't flee now. Then the last section we have for this patch was gameplay. So they have a change where armor zombies are no longer killed by flames. Instead, they catch fire and become scarier like a juggernaut. So that is really cool, actually, because if the zombies armored, then you would think that fire wouldn't really you know, matter to them as much. So that is really nice that they made this change. And I think by saying they become scarier like a juggernaut, I don't think they turn into a juggernaut. I think it just makes them, you know, more aggressive probably and maybe a little bit stronger. So that is really cool that they did this because it gives a little bit more of a challenge to the game and it might be really challenging in Daybreak to face those zombies as well because they're in Daybreak. But they also had zombie kills with vehicles should now count towards zombie killing achievements. And I actually never knew this wasn't a thing already. I guess like that 10,000 kill achievement I guess your vehicle kills wasn't counting towards that, so I never even knew this, so I guess I should have a you know way higher count than I already do because I like running over zombies, so I guess my counts are you know a lot lower because they weren't counting that for, but hey, that's great that they are now, and I'm, I'm glad they are now at least, so anyone that's you know newer to the game or anyone that doesn't have that achievement yet, then that will be nice that they can get that. It's unfortunate for me that I already have it, but... I mean, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll rack up some more kills now. So that's always nice, too. They fixed some issues where zombies would spawn trapped in geometry. And this is actually an issue I experienced myself as well. You, like, go into a house and you try to take out infestation or something. And I actually had a zombie one time that was clipped into the roof. So he was literally in the roof of the house. And we had to, you know, try and shoot him out of the roof of the house. So we ended up killing him, you know, getting credit for the infestation, but it was kind of weird. So hopefully those are the issues they're talking about where zombies aren't going to clip into a house anymore. They're not going to clip into a dresser. You know, zombies aren't going to clip into a rock. I remember early on playing the game, I had an issue where a juggernaut was clipped into a rock and you couldn't really kill him because he was inside the rock. So hopefully they've fixed issues like this now and, you know, zombies aren't going to spawn in 
into other objects. They also fixed an exploit that allowed some clients to easily blow up the host vehicles. That is great because, you know, I, I'm very anti-griefing and anything that we can do to prevent more griefing, I'm all for. So I didn't experience anyone, you know, blowing up my vehicles, but that's also because I mostly play with people I trust. So if I'm mostly playing with people I trust, then I'm not going to have as many instances where that can happen. But it is great that it is there now. So if people do play with people that they aren't as familiar with now, then they can't do as much to hurt them. So that is a very good thing. And then the last part of the patch is they fix an issue with indefinitely persistent C4 charges left by dead characters. So I would think this means that a character sets a C4 charge then they die, and that C4 is always there. So I would assume that's what that is. I would assume that when the character dies now, that C4 probably goes away. So that is nice as well, because you don't just want random C4 laying around everywhere and, you know, possibly blowing up at some point and <laughs> messing things up for you. So that is nice that they put that in there. But that's basically it for Patch Notes 4.0. So, you know, I hope everyone enjoy the analysis of that and as always here on the blaze experience you're always going to get the full patch notes not you know okay okay here's two items you know here's a little five minute video on just two items on the patch notes you know i make a commitment here that you will always get the full patch notes here but now we can move on to the daybreak dlc rewards which a lot of people might be a little bit more excited about that you know i know i probably would be as well so i can't blame you there I mean, the patch notes are great, and it's great to have these fixes, but these DLC rewards from Daybreak, they are amazing. So, I mean, I would be more excited about that as well. So, let's just dive right into those. Um, on episode 28, when I talked about Daybreak, I did talk about a lot of the consumables, melee weapons, and ranged weapons. So, because of that, I'm not going to spend as much time on those, because I already covered them a little bit more in episode 28. So if you want a little bit more on those, then go back to episode 28. I will say that on episode 28, I didn't have all the full names of the items. So like, for example, there's a couple of guns that I couldn't screen grab the official name of the gun. Now I have all the official names of the guns. So, you know, I do have that now, but I don't have the stats written down for each weapon because I think that's something that would be better to test out in game before I actually talk about how the weapons are. So I, I would rather test out these weapons in-game and then come back on the podcast at a later date and talk about how they performed. Because I, I thought about getting the stats for them when I screen grabbed, but to me, if, you know, I tell you, oh, the Cleo Great Hammer, you know, it, it's really good at knockdown. It, it's amazing at that. Or, or if I tell you something like that, I would rather be able to back that up by actually testing it myself before saying that. Because even though the stats says one thing, I would rather at least test it. That way I can say, okay, yes, I tested this. It does work really well. Or I tested this. It doesn't work as well as you think it would. So I'd rather be able to test these myself before I actually talk about, you know, a weapon stats. But what I did do is I do have all the consumables, melee, and ranged weapons written down again. So if I didn't have the official name for some of them before, I do now. And then I also have the prestige cost for every item. So every Daybreak DLC reward... I had the prestige cost for all of those. So I'm going to go through the prestige for all of those. That way you have an idea of, oh, if I really want this item, I have to save that much prestige for it. But we will start with the consumables. 
We have fire bombs. That is 75 prestige. We have deployable pyro minefields. That is going to cost you 250 prestige. The deployable regular minefields. That's 220 prestige. The explosive field traps, which this is one that I'm really excited for, honestly. This is the one that you can kind of set on the ground and then run away and shoot it. And that seems really awesome. So I'm definitely excited for that. And it was actually showcased in the last Undead Lab stream. That one is going to cost you 180 prestige. So it's actually one of the cheaper ones, but I think it's going to be more, more fun ones to use. The only thing I'm not sure of with that one yet is I know that other mines trigger each other now. So if you set like two minefields next to each other and a zombie triggers one, it should carry over and trigger the next mine. I'm not sure if that applies to the explosive field traps because in the description of explosive field traps, it does say that, you know, it requires you to shoot them to set them off. So I'm not sure if say you had a mine next to explosive field trap. If a zombie hits that mine, will it also trigger the field trap as well? I would kind of assume it would, but I would like to test that out in game just to make sure it does. Sticky grenades, which those sound like they'd be a lot of fun. That's 210 prestige. Remote grenades, that's also 210 prestige. And remote rocket pods, this is 375 prestige. So that is the most for the consumables. And if you watch the stream, you can definitely tell why, because they use these remote rocket pods and they honestly were just amazing. Like, there are so many explosions going off, and you can definitely see why it says in the description that it can even stop a juggernaut, because there's so many explosions going on all over the place that it really could stop a juggernaut for sure. So it's great to have these, and I'm, I'm going to be trying these out a lot, I think. I mean, I'm not one that's, you know, huge on explosives, but some of these explosives that are being released with the Daybreak DLC, like some of these explosives are so awesome that I might use them regularly now. I could see myself using remote rocket pods a lot, and I could see myself using explosive field trips a lot too. The other ones besides those, I might not use as much. I mean, the minefields actually, I would love to set minefields around my base, so I think I might use those a lot too. The sticky grenades, I can't see myself trying out too, too much, but I might try it out a couple of times just to see, you know, how I like it. So we'll see how it goes. But next we have the melee weapons. So we have the RTX Extermination Blade. This will cost you 200 Prestige. Cleo Hand Axe. That will cost you 200 Prestige as well. The Cleo Battle Axe. This is one of the higher cost ones. That's 500 Prestige. The Cleo Great Hammer is also 500 Prestige. Those are the two high cost ones. Basically one bladed and one blunt. The RTX Crusher. That's 200 Prestige. The Cleo Long Blade, which looks like a lot of fun to use. That's 300 Prestige. The Cleo Warhammer, that's 200 prestige. And last but not least, we have the Cleo Mace, which is 300 prestige. And I really want to try out that Cleo Mace. It does look cool in the picture, and hopefully, you know, it performs pretty well, and I think it will. So the Cleo Mace is probably the one I'm most excited to try out, just because I've always been a fan of maces in games. Like, um, just a quick aside, in Elder Scrolls Skyrim, I loved using the mace in that game. It was a lot of fun to use a mace in that game, so... I've always just kind of been partial to maces. I don't really know why, but I've always loved maces in games. But that is our melee weapons. So we'll now we'll go over the ranged weapons. And we actually have two attachments that were never officially announced before. So I'll, I'll do those at the end of the ranged weapons just to spend a tad more time on them. But first of all, the ranged weapons, we have the RTX Horde Breaker and RTX Stormbringer, which we're a little bit more used to. 
those ones are 250 prestige, but at least if you haven't got them already in game, you can get them now. And then our other RTX weapon, which is the RTX Wolverine, that is a new shotgun that is also 250 prestige, and that looks like a fun shotgun to use. I'm excited to try that out. We have the Clio Sharpshooter Rifle, which is one of the higher cost weapons. That's 750 prestige. The Clio Battle Rifle, this is 350 prestige. The Clio SMG, which has a 128 clip, this is 750 prestige. Clio Heavy Sniper, that's 750 prestige, and that's kind of your you know, more traditional sniper rifle in this group, I would say. Clio Machine Pistol, which is 425 prestige, and the Clio Pistol, which is 300 prestige. I'm pretty excited about trying the Machine Pistol, honestly, because I've always been a fan of the vector weapons that, you know, I like the way they look on the side of a character, and I like the kind of, you know, half rifle, half pistol look to them. So I'm excited to try the Machine Pistol and see how it operates. That's definitely one of the ones I'm more excited for personally. I mean, I can understand if, you know, a lot of people aren't, but for my personal taste, I think it's going to be a fun one to try out. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. We also have two new shotguns, the Clio Shotgun, which is 375 Prestige, and the Clio Assault Shotgun, which is 750 Prestige. So basically you have, you know, four weapons at 750 Prestige. Those are the Assault Shotgun, the Heavy Sniper, the Clio SMG, and the Clio Sharpshooter Rifle. So those are all of your, you know, higher cost weapons that are supposed to be the better weapons. And the last one is the Clio Blast Rifle. This is 375 Prestige. Which in the Undead Lab stream, they actually showed off some of these weapons, and a lot of them looked very cool. Remember, they showed off the SMG, which looked awesome. They showed off one of the rifles that, you know, made mincemeat of the juggernauts. Like, they actually had three juggernauts at once, and they took them all down. I believe that was the sharpshooter rifle they were using. But I can't remember officially which rifle they're using. But I, I think it was the sharpshooter rifle that, you know, really knocked back those juggernauts. But it, it could have been one of the other rifles, though. So, you know, go check out that stream. I mean, if you haven't already checked it out, definitely check it out. And you will see for sure whether it was the sharpshooter rifle. But I think that was the one they used. But as I said, there's two new attachments you can put on your ranged weapons that, I mean, I never actually saw anywhere. I've never seen these two attachments mentioned anywhere. And I didn't know about them until I screen grabbed them from the Undead Lab stream on Wednesday. But, and honestly, I don't think they've ever talked about them either. So, to my knowledge, this is the first time that anyone's going to hear about them, really. But there's two new muzzle mods. One is the Clio Tumbler. And it says in the description, this unusual muzzle attachment forces any projectile leaving the barrel to be tumbled into a spin, forming a tiny flying buzzsaw that tends to dismember targets. So this sounds really interesting because I guess it forces your projectiles into a spinning motion. So I wonder if it's like a, you know, more interesting animation for the zombie dying. I don't know if it affects them better. I don't know if it does more than you know a regular attachment would but it sounds interesting to try it out just for the aesthetic effect of it it does mention dismembering targets so i assume that you know maybe it helps out your dismember rate but it definitely sounds cool to try out so i'm excited to try it out and that one and the other mod they both cost 350 prestige to get them the other mod sounds interesting as well this is called the clio accelerator and this one accelerates projectiles, leaving the barrel, and also increases recoil, making the weapon harder to control. 
So it, it does suck that, you know, it's going to make the weapon harder to control. But I would think that this mod is something that you want to use in a situation where you're planning to go into a large horde. So it, it might really help you in that horde because if your projectiles are accelerated leaving the barrel, then that means you can take more shots. Taking more shots means killing more zombies. So I would think this one's going to be a lot fun to use, but you know, I'll have to wait till I test it out. And both of these mods don't seem like they're anything that's going to, you know, be game changing for the game. That's going to, you know, revolutionize anything. But I would think that they're both going to be very fun items to try out. But I could be a little bit wrong on that, though. I mean, the accelerator that that could be something that kind of becomes a mainstay in the game if it works uh, the way I think it might, because, you know, if you can have it to where it causes a lot more rapid fire on your guns, then this might be a mod that people end up using a lot. The tumbler, I, I think that's going to be more of a novelty, but we'll have to wait and see how it operates. I mean, I haven't tried these out yet, so I can only speculate based on what I'm reading. But after I try them out, I'll have to see how I like them. And then last but not least in the range section, I do want to mention the Clio ammo packs because you have to buy Clio ammo from the trader. These cost 128 prestige, and each ammo pack comes with 32 rounds. And the trader only has two stacks on them. So basically, you have to pay about 250 prestige, and you get 64 Clio bullets. So I do hope they increase the amount that's on the trader at a time in the future, because I think if the only way you can get Clio ammo is to buy it off the trader, then they should have more than two stacks on them, because you have to wait 90 minutes every time for the trader. So... You know, the one note I would make for Undead Labs so far is I would probably up that to having like four stacks of Clio ammo on the trader. That way you can buy, you know, more ammo at once. But again, this is before I've actually tried it out. So maybe in testing, they figured out that it was better to have, you know, less stacks for whatever reason. So which I do know there's a special Clio item that can actually potentially get you Clio ammo as well. So maybe that is why they had this be less on the trader but from my personal opinion before trying it out i would think you'd want more ammo on the trader just because if this is you know the main way you're going to be getting your cleo ammo you want to be able to get a little bit more because in contrast when you make ammo with a ammo press you usually get about 50 to 60 bullets so if you're getting 50 to 60 bullets just for you know using two ammo from your base or three ammo from your base then in contrast here, you're getting 60 bullets and you're having to pay 250 prestige for it and then you can't get more. With your regular ammo, say you're making 22 ammo, you're making shotgun shells, whatever you're making, you can make some ammo and then you can make some more right after that. I mean, so it's very quick to get more ammo and that's not even counting the ammo you find in the world. I mean, you could find a lot of ammo in the world too. So if this is the only way you're getting Clio ammo, then I would think there'd be a little bit better access to it than it seems like there is right now. But again, you know, I have to wait and see about trying it first. Once I try it, I might feel differently because after trying it, maybe it works a little bit better than I think it does. But next we have, you know, a lot of new stuff that we haven't talked about before. We have the facilities and facility mods section. So they did reveal all the facilities and facility mods this time. And it was very nice to see all of these on the Undead Lab stream. So we'll kind of get into those. We have the prefab Red Talon bunk room. This is the one that we already knew about from before. This one has five beds in a small facility slot with a small morale penalty. 
It costs 1500 prestige to get this, and it's 50 pounds, which all these, unless I say differently, are all 50 pounds. They're all pretty heavy to carry. But basically, this allows you to make the bunk room. You know, you get five beds in a small slot. That's really amazing. So that's going to really be a game changer for the game because it's going to allow you to actually use smaller bases more often. And that is really cool because I want to be able to use smaller bases if I like to. But next, we have the Prefab Red Talon Workshop. This one costs 2500 Prestige, and it has a built-in power supply. So if you don't have free base-wide power already, this will have automatic power to it. And the really cool thing about this, though, is it passively repairs melee and ranged weapons. So that means if you have broken or damaged weapons in your supply locker, if you have this workshop installed, then while you're away, you know, doing whatever you're doing, it's going to passively repair the weapons in your locker. And it, they said that it's going to be very slow, but the fact that it does it at all, that's that's amazing because I have a lot of weapons in my locker right now that are damaged or broken. And I just haven't spent the time to waste my parts on them. So for me personally, this is a really huge thing because now all those weapons that I just didn't get around to repairing yet, I can let the game repair them for me. So this is going to be awesome to have this workshop in the base. I can't wait for it, honestly, because it does everything else that our other workshop can do plus this. So this is going to be amazing change to have this. And it's going to save me a lot of parts. And I love to accumulate parts. So. I'm very excited about accumulating more parts. We also have the Prefab Red Talon Watchtower, which we heard about before. This costs 1500 Prestige. It supports up to three cards and passively reduces threat more than any other Watchtower. It gives you minus six threat, so that is really handy. And I've never been, you know, gigantic on Watchtowers, but they are really cool to look at, and Brian Giami, he actually said on the stream that it has some really cool black catwalks, so that sounds really cool, and I can't wait to check that out. So I'm definitely going to build all these uh, facilities at least once, because especially since there's an achievement for building all the facilities, so these four facilities we're talking about now, there's actually an achievement that you have to build all four facilities in the game at once. So I'm definitely going to do that at least once to get the achievement, but... This watchtower, I'll have to see how it operates, see if I like it. This might be one that I don't keep long term, but we'll see. I know for sure that the Red Talon Workshop and the Bunk Room, those are probably going to be things I use long term. And the last one is the Prefab Officer Quarters, which is a brand new building. It costs 2500 Prestige to get this. And this provides two beds, a morale boost and time boost to labor, action speed and experience gain. So the fact that it provides two beds is nice, but you are using a small slot for it. So I think that the other benefits have to be worth it for you to waste a small slot on this because your slots are pretty precious to me personally. And I would have to see how this operates in game to see if it's worth using a small slot. Because having the extra two beds is nice. Having the morale boost is nice, which... um. Luke, who was in the stream with Undead Labs as well, he's, I believe, their quality assurance tester, I believe was his official job title. He actually said that he likes to pair this with the Red Talon Bunk Room, because then the morale boost from the officer quarters takes away the morale defect from the bunk. So basically, they counteract each other, is what he was saying. So he likes to pair them together. So that sounds good in theory, but then... 
you're still getting two beds, you know, basically evening out the bunk room. And then you're also getting a time boost to labor, action speed, and experience gain. So I would have to see how effective those boosts are to see if the officer quarters is for me long term. I'm not saying that it's not going to be really great to use this. I'm just saying that reading it, I'm a little bit skeptical that it might not be worth a small slot for me. But as with all this stuff, I, I want to try it out before I actually can attest for sure whether it's useful or not useful. But I would say just on reading it alone, I would say it's something that I would like to try out for a little while, but it's not something I'm going to use you know, a lot in my basis, I would say. So we'll see how it operates. But then we had a couple of facility mods too, which I love my facility mods. So I'm definitely excited to get these as well. Because if you listen to the facility mods podcast I did in episode 26, I actually only had two mods in the game I didn't have. Now I only have one. So the water boiler is the only mod in the game I don't have right now. And I'm very excited to get these two new ones because they sound very fun. One of them is the Clio Support Transmitter. This is 20 pounds. It costs 12.50 Prestige, and it allows you to request fire support from Clio over the radio, blasting nearby zombies with high-caliber rounds from the sky for a short period of time. They did show this off in stream, and it looks really cool because out of nowhere, the zombies just start getting shot from you know high-piercing bullets. So it's really cool to see, actually. And the other one is the Red Talon Crafting Station which is basically like the fireworks station from the independence pack. So if you remember the fireworks station in the independence pack, this allowed you to make the fireworks from that pack. This is kind of the same idea. This red talent crafting station is 20 pounds. It costs 2,250 prestige. And you install this mod to gain the ability to craft explosives unique to the daybreak DLC. So that is very nice. And I'm looking forward to installing this. That way I can actually craft more of those explosives because these explosives sound like a lot of fun to use. But then the last item you can actually get, and this is the highest cost item of anything. This costs even more than the Red Talon Contractor. It's called the Clio Core. The Clio Core is 50 pounds, costs 4,000 prestige, and it is required to construct the Clio Relay Facility, which will allow you to call down Clio drops to your base. So... This sounds really cool, and it's basically like a resource that you need in order to make the Clio Relay, I guess. And the Clio Relay, they showed it on stream for about half a second to a second, and I did screen grab that. So, you know, Brant Fitzgerald, if you're listening, you are correct that people will be screen grabbing that. I did screen grab the Clio Relay, so I have the details on that for everyone. I apologize if you guys didn't want that screen grab, but... I mean, <laughs> it, it was shown on screen, so. But the Clio Relay needs one Clio core. It requires a large outdoor slot to use it. And it says in the description, this kit bash satellite relay lets you request a delivery of high-tech gear from the Clio system of drones. The signal also draws a lot of zombies to your base. So it sounds like this is going to draw a lot of zombies to your base because it's making a lot of noise. But on top of that, it's going to deliver a lot of high-tech gear from the Clio system. So it sounds kind of like how the drops are going to happen in Daybreak. It sounds like you're going to get those type of drops using this relay. So I'm very excited to try the relay out. And 
see if it's all the same types of items that you get from the daybreak mode itself. You know, maybe you're going to get some more Cleo ammo this way, which I assume this is the other way that you're supposed to get Cleo ammo. Maybe you're also going to get other Cleo rifles, other Cleo melee weapons. So, and honestly, this seems like the best strategy to get everything. If you, you know, focus on getting this first, then you might be able to use the Cleo relay to get other items that you don't have already. And you don't have to use the procedure on them. So we'll kind of see how that works exactly, but it sounds like a lot of fun and I'm excited to have some Cleo drops in the main game. I mean, you know, who wouldn't be like Cleo drops in the main game, sign me up for sure. And I know a lot of people are going to be excited that, which I am too, that, you know, there was Cleo drops in the first game and now it sounds like they're basically bringing it back. So I don't know if it's going to operate the same way as the first game or if it's going to operate, you know, just like the daybreak mode itself or We'll have to kind of see how that plays out, but I'm excited to see it. So, you know, you can build a Cleo relay, but you have to get that Cleo core, which costs you 4,000 prestige to get it. But last but not least, they did go over the Red Talon Contractor. So the Red Talon Contractor, you use your radio commands, which I probably should have mentioned that earlier, by the way, but you use your radio commands to get all this stuff. So you either call in a prestige trader that has all the items using a radio command, or you can use the radio command to call in a Red Talon Contractor and recruit them to your base. So if you want to recruit a Red Talon Contractor, it's going to cost you 3,250 Prestige. And all Red Talon Contractors will have a trait called Red Talon Contractor. And what this trait does is it gives you minus 66% standing rewards. And Jeffrey Card in the stream, how he described this is these people are, you know, a little bit more untrustworthy at the start so you have to they have to earn trust with your community and because of that it takes them longer to get to hero status which that definitely makes sense you know because these are more mysterious people they're you know red talent contractors they're people that if they came to your community you wouldn't really you know be apt to trust them right away so you know it makes sense that they'd have to work harder to earn that trust and earn that standing within your community so i i do like how they have this in there you know, it's going to make it harder to get them to hero status, but I, I like the challenge. And overall, Jeffrey said there's roughly 16 to 20 new traits for Red Talon Contractors. So I don't have all the traits for you, but I do have the traits that were on this particular contractor in the Undead Live stream. So this particular contractor they had, they had a Vigil Guard trait. So they have minus 40% fatigue for severity. So you know I love that. Everyone knows I love stamina and... I definitely love anything that, you know, keeps you from getting fatigued. And this trait also has minus one beds use. So that is really nice as well. They have a boot camp survivor trait that gives them plus 20 max health. So that's awesome as well. And then they had a comms engineer trait, which this gives plus five max food storage. So another handy skill for sure. But the real highlight for me, I love my skills and... There's actually 10 total new uh, fifth skills. So with these red talent contractors, they automatically spawn in with a fifth skill. And there's 10 different fifth skills they can have. So they get randomly assigned one. And this particular red talent contractor, they had the skill of hacking. So this skill of hacking it gives you knowledge of computers, knowledge of programming, and it gives you plus one outpost limit at your command center. And it says max one. So that is a really huge skill because 
having the extra outpost is amazing, plus computers and programming. So this can allow you to get up to seven outposts because it does say a max of one. So I guess you can't stack this. You know, I guess you can't have two contractors with hacking and then get eight outposts because it says max one. So I assume seven is the limit, but it, it sounds really cool that you can actually get to seven outposts now with this character. So that is very nice. And I'm sure that all these fifth skills for the Red Talon people are all great as well. I've actually seen a couple more that somebody found, but um, until I found find the full list and I verify the full list, I'm not going to talk about them on the podcast. But you can be sure that at some point I'll be talking about all these Red Talon fifth skills. But hacking is the only one I know for sure that I can verify. But as I said, you know, there's 10 new fifth skills, about 16, 20 new traits. So these Red Talons contractors, they sound really cool, and I'm really excited to use these. And I did the math. I counted up everything that I've talked about today. So every reward possible, if you want to get one of every reward possible, it is going to cost you a whopping 29,073 prestige. So I didn't stutter, 29,073. So that's a lot of prestige. You're going to need to get one of everything. So... You know, when Daybreak comes out, start playing that and, you know, start going to town because that's a lot of prestige. You're going to need to get all this stuff. I do want to mention quick, though, they did say on the Undead Lab stream that the cap for prestige is 9999. So if you get, you know, up to 9000 or so, you're probably going to want to spend some of that prestige. That way you don't cap out because you don't want to cap out and then be wasting prestige. So, you know, make sure if you get above 9000, you go spend a little bit and then you re-earn it again it's kind of like influence influence caps out to 9999 as well so you want to make sure that you don't cap out on that but that's basically all you know the news we had i mean we went through the patch notes 4.0 we went through all the daybreak rewards and i'm really excited about all this honestly i mean you know this mode comes out on wednesday so just a couple days left and we're going to be there and not only that we have this big decay fest community event that is literally starting tomorrow when this podcast drops. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to that as well. And I hope everyone else is. So, you know, we're going to have some streamers starting on Sunday. And on Sunday early, we will have a podcast drop that will go over all the Decay Fest stuff. So you'll find out more about Decay Fest on that podcast. But, you know, stay tuned. There's going to be streamers throughout the entire week. There's going to be YouTube videos. Uh, all of us will be on Twitter. We'll all be talking about it on Twitter. So... You know, stay tuned and keep an eye out for news. We're all going to be, you know, celebrating this event and we're really just going to celebrate the game and, you know, try to give a big thank you to Undead Labs. So I think people will be a little bit more excited when Wednesday comes because then we'll have the daybreak mode to play. But Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we're still going to have a lot of fun with the, with the game as well. But as I said, there will be no podcast next Wednesday due to the K-Fest because, you know, this event is going to be taking up the entire week, and I don't want to do a podcast on a different game that week. But technically speaking, I'll still have two podcasts if you count the Decay Fest podcast as dropping tomorrow. So technically, I'll still have two if you count that one. The next stream will either be tonight when this was released, so either Saturday night, or if I don't do one Saturday night, then it will be Monday, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. That is my first scheduled stream of Decay Fest. And if you want to contact me about Decay Fest, about this episode, about anything, you can do so via email, theblazeexperience at gmail.com. 
you can do so by finding me on Twitter. I am at Blaze Experience, so that's capital B-L-A-I-S-E, capital X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E. And my gamer tag is exactly the same, so feel free to add me on Xbox Live. You know, just Blaze Experience, just like I had spelled it. We're also going to have a Discord link in the show notes, so if you want to join our Discord and talk with anyone in our community, then feel free to do so, and you will find out news about the podcast first on Discord, so... If you want to stay, you know, up to date with everything, then Discord is probably the fastest way to stay up to date with any news that's coming out. And if you want to find the podcast, then you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Podbean, Blueberry, Acast, Listen Notes. You can do so pretty much in any directory for the most part. So, you know, check us out in any of those spots and we'll be there and... I do look forward to hearing feedback, too. So, you know, definitely feel free to give me feedback in any of the forums I talked about. And I don't mention every episode, but, you know, I'd really appreciate anyone leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Because reviews on Apple Podcasts, if you do listen that way, then it does help us grow. Because a lot of people look at Apple Podcasts reviews and they use that as a basis to find the podcast and the way the Apple system works. It actually boosts your podcast up in the rankings, the more reviews it has. So, you know, the more reviews we have, then the better chance people can find us. So I definitely appreciate some reviews on there. And also, I don't say this a lot either, but, you know, please make sure to subscribe to us as well, because whatever app you're using to listen to us, you know, if you subscribe to us, then you will get the notifications that we have new episodes. And most apps, like I'm using podcast apps, most apps, you can actually set it up so the episode downloads automatically. So if you ever need help with that, you know, just contact with me and I will help you set that up. But most apps, you can actually set it up to download automatically when an episode drops. That way you don't have to think about it. It's already there in your feed. But definitely make sure to subscribe to us. You know, leave us a review if you feel like you want to do that. And I really appreciate everyone listening. And I'm very excited for Decay Fest. I'm very excited for Daybreak. And... I'm just excited for what this game has to offer in the future. So thank you to Unlead Labs for making this great game. Thank you to all the other streamers and content creators that are involved in Decay Fest. I really appreciate you guys joining on board with this. Thank you to P1 for helping me plan this. And last but certainly not least, thank you to all of you listeners. I really appreciate you guys listening. And it means a lot that you keep coming back each week. So you know, thank you for providing me feedback. And thank you for making this something worthwhile. So thank you so much for listening to the Blaze Experience.